right, hello everybody. Welcome back to Deep Pod, man. It's been a while. So today I have just me and my wife, Kata. She's on. Hello. Hello. So yeah, we are doing kind of a special Q and A episode today. But before we get into that, maybe it's been a while. We haven't recorded actually because we've been busy doing fall outreach. It's a busy time in the college ministry cycle. So I don't know. Like maybe we can just share something we're thankful for so far. Yeah, I think for me, you know, we we tried out a brand new strategy this year, doing thirty second surveys, just trying to get our name out uh, onto campus, meet as many students as possible. That's been uh, really exciting, actually. So, you know, we met like almost 700 students on mm-hmm. campus in the first couple of weeks. And it's been neat kind of having people show up to Sunday service and have a chance to interact with them. So that's been really fun. Yeah. I also learned college students really like squishies. Oh, yeah. <laughs> We've been, we're giving out these squishies and these stickers that say uh, we're Fun comes alive since Chicago's unofficial motto is where fun comes to die. Yeah. But we want to fight against that. So <laughs> Those are really popular. <laughs> yeah, I think I was really thankful for just the new friends we've been meeting at our different offerings, men's group, women's group, Sunday service, um, Bible study, prayer meeting. And then I think it's been really cool that through all the conversations we've been having, we've had now four, four, right? yeah, four, four people. people who put their faith in Jesus and made salvation decisions. So that's something to really celebrate. And it's it's just been awesome hearing about people just taking that step of faith and saying yes to Jesus forever. It's, it's yeah, I mean, that's what we do ministry for. Yep. So it's been really cool. Yeah, that's what we're doing this for. <laughs> so this episode, it's, it's a little different. So it's been a while since we've done like an AMA episode, but it's sort of like that where, but during our, after our Sunday service yesterday, uh, you know, I gave a message on Luke 9 about the three would-be disciples and the cost of following Jesus. And after that, we had a chance for people to write down any questions that they had that, and I said that I would maybe answer some of these questions during a Depot episode as a way to kind of get this, this was sort of a way for me to force myself to... <laughs> start this up again because <laughs> otherwise i feel like the inertia is too great so so we have some questions here so we'll just we'll just talk through it and uh we, we didn't like really prep too much for this so we'll just see what we have to say so the first question is can neil and i be on depot <laughs> this has to be luke <laughs> this, yeah i'm pretty sure this is from luke walker yeah at the, and then i think neil also submitted a question saying class of 2025 depot episode yeah that's how i imagine imagine he would say it yes Sure, I'll have you guys on. All right. That's, wow, that's, you guys that's, got a uh, yes. Yeah, I just have to ask, I guess. But <laughs> that was okay, easy. An- okay, yeah. Another question here is what's a good plan for a third year college student who really wants to grow in their faith? Okay, so this is like, I guess, an upperclassman, or you've been through college a few years now. Like, how can I continue to grow in my faith? We now are at a stage in our ministry at UChicago and at, at Illinois Tech where we have SUPs, our second years and up in our ministry who really want to grow in their faith. And that's so awesome. You know, so we as mentors, I think we really want to equip the students to grow both in like personal devotion to God, as well as what does it really mean to grow in your faith? And it's doing what Jesus asked of of us. So I think as a student, you are so like poised to reach your campus as a as a fellow college student. So I'm just going to speak from my you know, experience as a college student trying to grow as well. So there's so many ways I think that you can, but like one, one thing that I really want our students to do or kind of have a vision for is like for them to lead devotions with the other students. So like studying the Bible together, taking an hour, like once or twice a week or something like that, and being able to kind of study scripture together and share, you know, from yeah. their hearts. And to have the leadership to kind of pull that kind of group together yeah. as well. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And then I also thought about kind of like this model we talk about sometimes about like in your 
faith journey, your head, heart, and hands, right? Model. So in your head, like being able to grow in knowledge and understanding and heart growing in your heart so that you can adopt God's heart for people and then hands like serving. So like for me, I think that that manifested in college as like, I read a ton of books. It was biographies, Christian biographies, and a lot of like Tim Keller books, a lot of apologetics books, a lot of William Lane Craig books, like on guard, trying to figure out like, how do I defend the faith? So like we as the mentors could probably suggest a ton of books for you guys to grow in your faith. And then for me, I think if you haven't read the Bible cover to cover, that's somewhere that you can start now. You know, so yeah. And then tons of ways to reach people with the gospel. Yeah. Like getting involved in, if you're in the dorms, right. Reaching students there. And then we have men's group, women's group, trying to reach new people. And then if you have ideas, let us know, because actually we're the most interested in what your ideas are and how you can reach the friends in your friend groups. Yeah. I think the head, heart, hands model is really helpful. And especially if you're a new Christian though, like a lot of, I think people, or members when I think about them made significant decisions in college. And so you're kind of newer Then I think the equipping yourself part is, is a big part of it. Like, Mm -hmm. of course, you know, we want to engage our hearts, you know, and I think a lot of people are getting involved in our youth service opportunities, mission trips, things like that. I think that's really good for our heart sharing in God's heart and then our hands getting some kind of know-how. Of course, the hands also has to do with like you actually reaching out to your friends and really trying that on for size and seeing how that feels and learning from that. Like, I think there's nothing to replace that. But I think something uniquely, especially early on in Christian life to do is to equip yourselves. And so that's a lot of the head stuff, right? So reading, reading scripture. I totally second what Kata said about if you haven't read the Bible cover to cover, like, I mean, this is something we need to do repeatedly in our lives again and again and again. Right. And so that's something to tackle. And then, yeah, lots of resources out there just in terms of your ability to explain apologetics, defend your faith, explain gospel concepts. All of that is a, is a really good investment into the future. Yeah, sure. Okay. So another question here is, what do I do when I don't feel convicted by a message, even though I completely agree and received it with joy? Does it mean I'm hardened or is God planning to use it for later? So a little bit of what I'm sensing in this question is sort of maybe the conviction is sort of around a, a conviction of sin. Like, oh, like I don't feel convicted about some particular sin in my life or something like mm-hmm. that. So maybe mm-hmm. that's what this this is asking. Yeah. And yeah, I guess the way I'm, I'm reading this question, it's also like if you are agreeing with a message and you received it with joy, I guess I would say that is being part of being that is part of being convicted by the message or convicted by the word of God that came mm. to you. But if it's like a matter of feeling something, because the question says when I don't feel convicted by a message. So if it's a matter of feeling something, maybe this question is getting at like, maybe you feel like you're supposed to feel something like I'm supposed to feel sad or regretful or remorseful because mm. I have a certain sin that comes to mind and that I need to repent of. I don't know if emotions are the only measure of whether you really took in God's word because conviction comes from the Holy spirit. Right. And mental agreement is also a big part of that. So if there's not like one sin that kind of pops up that you need to repent of, I still think that if you took in the message because you agree with it and you received it with joy, that is being convicted. And this question is also saying, you know, is God planning to use it for later? For me, I think that's been true. Like there have been many messages in the past that I said, okay, that, I don't know exactly how that applies to me right now, this week or this hour, but I've stored it up in my heart. I've stored up God's word in my heart. And there were times later on where 
I realized, wait, I'm going through either a struggle or a realization and I'm convicted by the word of God that I already received. Right. And I'm reminded of it again and I'm able to apply it. I think that totally happens. Yeah. Sometimes there's things that I'm going through, like, you know, and I think it helps if you're if you're regularly journaling or reflecting and you're sort of surfacing the feelings that you have, the struggles that you have. And sometimes there's the word of God comes through, you know, it doesn't have to be through a sermon, right? It can be through a DT or uh, even just something my friend shares. And and sometimes that like cuts straight into that struggle that I was like experiencing. And so then that that feels like the, the most, I, I guess, the most powerful experience of conviction. Uh, but there's a lot of times in which I hear a message and I'm just like, wow, that's true. Right. That's so true. And and I feel blessed. I feel blessed because I'm reminded about the gospel. I'm reminded what it means to be a Christian and to follow. I'm reminded that Jesus gave everything for me. And so I want to give everything for him. And from there, it's there's not necessarily something specific. But often what happens is so, you know, for, for me and Kata, like on, on Mondays, we write these weekly reflections just as a, as a way for us to kind of process the, the word of God and you know things that we're hearing. And often it's like after I've spent about 10, 15 minutes of writing and reflecting that I'm like, wait a minute. Actually, this does apply to something that's <laughs> happening in my life right now. Yeah, that's true. Right? So, <laughs> so sometimes I don't even like that doesn't connect in the moment, in the message until I do some reflection yeah, afterward. That's true. And so this, that may be a practice that I, I might recommend, like if, you know, for people who uh, want to hear messages and get more out of it, man, if you actually then just take what you heard and maybe the next day or even, even the same day, like just spend 15 minutes, 30 minutes just writing about, man, like, okay, so what do I affirm from that message? And like, how does that apply to me? Like, I think as you write, you might discover more. Mm -hmm. And so that's just one practical tip. Yeah. All right. So this next question, I guess slightly more theological question, but it says if the word of the Bible, so I think he's saying if the word of God often needs interpretation and explanation, can we take it as an accurate representation of, of God's word? I think just, just based on how the question is written, there's a difference between whether or not God's word is true, the truthfulness of God's word and our ability to interpret it. So those are two separate things. So it would be possible that the word of God is is true, it's inerrant, and that it's difficult for people to interpret it, right? And it wouldn't necessarily cancel each other out, right? But however, there is a, a doctrine, a Christian doctrine called the perspicuity of scripture. Perspicuity means clarity, and perspicuity is a word that a lot of people don't know. So, <laughs> so it's, the word perspicuity is not very clear. <laughs> but, but, so... So it's, yeah, it's, it's essentially seeing the clarity of scripture and that, and the doctrine says that everything, everything that people need to know from the word of God is knowable to people. Like, like when people read it, they get everything out of it that they need to, in order to be saved. Hmm. So, so that, that's a doctrine in, in, in Christianity. And it comes from like, there's, there's different scriptures that would support that, but you know, since we're doing Psalm 119 right now in, in, in our devotion, right? Psalm 119.130, for example, says the unfolding of your words gives light. It imparts understanding to the simple, right? So there's something about scripture where as you read it, as you meditate on it, as you study it, like it, it gives you light. Like it allows you to see more and see more of the world as you read it. And so I guess in short, like my answer to this question would be that, yes, like we can take it as an accurate representation representation of God's word. Mm -hmm. um, I think 
most of scripture, like you can get, if you read scripture without commentary and things like that, man, if you, if you just read it and allow yourself to meditate on it, you, you will become a godlier person. So there's this staff member at one of our other churches and her parents later in life, right? Later in life became Christian. And a large part of how they grew as Christians is they just read the Bible from Genesis to Revelation like multiple times. And they're like on their like fourth reading now mm-hmm. or something like that. And they've only been Christian for a couple of years. But when when I hear them talk, when I hear them explain the gospel and explain the Bible, I'm like, I feel like they had a seminary level education. Mm. But it's just because they take God's word so seriously and they and they're studying and they're reading through it again and again and again and allowing that to fill them. And and so then their insights about the gospel and their story are, are so profound to me. And so I think, I think that just demonstrates that. And sometimes we want to just read like one verse or something, and maybe it's like a challenging verse or something. And we, we feel like, oh man, this is like too hard, but actually, yeah, I, I feel like actually most of scripture is very, very understandable if we allow ourselves to just kind of humbly read it. Mm-hmm. So the next couple of questions are more specific to the message that I gave uh, this past Sunday. And so one of these has to do with, like, what are some tips for shifting from the from being a would-be disciple, because we talked about the three would-be disciples, back to Jesus? All right. So I think the question here is essentially, are there any like practical tips mm-hmm. for each of these would-be disciples, I guess? I, I was a little bit struggling with this because I think I think the point of the message was a little bit more like broad, like, hey, we have to follow Jesus. But if I had to, like if I had to categorize these three would be disciples in Luke 9, 57 through 62. I'll say that the first person didn't follow Jesus because of comfort. The second person didn't follow Jesus because of relational duties, like to his family. And then the third person allowed urgent things, like the things that feel urgent right now to get in the way of the most important thing, right? The most important thing being following Jesus. And so I guess then the, the tips would have to be around each of those categories. But the thing is, I don't know if I can say, oh, this is what you have to do. Besides saying, well, the first one is you have to think about how your comfort prevents you from following Jesus. The second would be you have to think about how your relational duties, whether it's to your family, to your friends, right, to your RA. Like, you know, there's people in our lives where, we, you know, we want to please them and like we want we want to, you know, make sure that our relationship with them is good. And, and maybe sometimes that gets in the way of like wholeheartedly following Jesus. So like, how does that play out for you? Right. And then the third one being, man, like what are the thing, the urgent things in your life? Like you want to follow Jesus today. Like you want to read your Bible or you want to reach out to your friend or like you want to attend some like service opportunity, but I can't because like there's some other urgent thing in the way. Like how, how does that play out for you? Right. So I think that's about the level of specificity that I, I think I can get into with regards to that. Yeah. For me, the, the second whippy disciple we talked about like one point that I I really resonated with from the message is like Jesus says to this guy ask for you like go and proclaim the kingdom of God right leave the dead to bury their own dead ask for you go and proclaim the kingdom of God and the the point that hit me was you know like we as Christians need to do what only Christians can do which is go and proclaim the kingdom of God so I actually that really calibrates me when I feel like oh, but I have other obligations or responsibilities. And then the third guy is the guy that said, oh, but let me first say farewell to those at my home, Jesus, you know. And a tip that I have is 
you know, when I kind of lose my focus because of other urgent things happening in my life, one thing I do actually is I memorize hymns because hymns always bring you back. Like the last stanza of every hymn, it, you know, almost every hymn points you back to heaven. And that calibrates me in terms of what's most urgent for every single person on this earth. Like everyone dies, right? But at the end of life, like what is there? You have to face reality of heaven and hell. So there are times when I, I think I have my hand to the plow, but I look elsewhere and I'm kind of going off track. The thing I do is is memorize hymns or if it's been a while since I learned a hymn, then I'll just sit down and, and learn it or ask someone else to teach it to me and then I'll memorize the words. And yeah, like that, that really does something for my heart. Yeah. Like, and I think the hymn thing, like what that does is it sort of makes you say, no to whatever feels super urgent yeah right so I, I know like some people who have adopted a discipline like this like before i study i'm going to read a chapter of the bible mm -hmm. right like i mean that's so like that's so like i don't know like arbitrary right i mean it doesn't say like but you could just do that right like and if you do that what what effect would that have well it would be saying hey studying and working on this project and essay feels really urgent but there's something in my life that's more important and that's the word of god and so I'm going to honor that. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, man, if you made a personal decision to do that, that would be really awesome. And I think it would it would go a long way in spiritually forming us mm -hmm. right into the right kind of people. So, yeah. So there are those kinds of like little things that we can do. Yeah. All right. So here's the next question. It says, how do you know what you need to do to truly follow? Right. Because we're talking a lot about following Jesus. How do you know what you need to do to truly follow it all? It obviously isn't quit your job. And right. OK. So, yeah. I, I feel this. I feel this question. So like what? So what does that mean practically? Right. Like I want to follow Jesus. What does it mean? And, you know, I shared a few stories during the service where, you know, like at least when I was initially following Jesus, like th some things were very clear. Like, I mean, there were some kind of ungodly things in my life that I needed to take care of. And then there were kind of specific decision points that came where, you know, some like club that I was involved in was like in direct conflict with some of the faith goals that I had personally. And so then I had to take a step of faith. But other than those things, like, yeah, it can feel a little bit murky. I think for me, just one of the ways I think about this is that it's, it's, it is really hard to say specifically, okay, this is what you need to do. I mean, besides saying, I mean, there's some, some things that you can always like increase the dial on, like, okay, increase your take intake of the word of God or in, increase your prayer life, increase your evangelism. I mean, there's those kinds of things, of course, but I, I think what's more important here is, is, um, it's sort of a posture of surrender. It's a posture of repentance. Like we're saying we don't control our lives anymore. Jesus does. Right. And JD Greer, the pastor, JD Greer, he, he defined repentance as, the absence of settled defiance in our lives. So we're no longer to be defiant towards God. All right. So then I think if we have that kind of posture, then as we take in God's word, we're going to be reminded again and again that what, what is important to God's heart is that the gospel be shared. What is important to God's heart is that his followers are representing him well by loving people, by being a source of blessing for people in our lives. All right. So then as you then think about your life as a Christ follower, what will happen is that you're going to want to spend more and more of your time and your energy and your effort in carrying out the Great Commission, in preaching the gospel, in loving people in your life. And, and then as you try to do that, I think the details of that will kind of work itself out. 
And just one thing I, I want to add about this is, is that I think this is something that we will also grow in over time. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, I, I don't think, you know, cause like I'm, you know, I'm up there like sharing some of my story and, you know, but I've been following Jesus for like 15 plus years now. Right. And so like, I'm not the person like right now, I'm not the person that I was sophomore year of college. And so this has been a very gradual process for me as, as kind of Jesus brings different things that I need to trust him in, in my life. So. Yeah. And how I would answer this is, you know, the question is, how do you know what you need to do to truly follow? I think one thing people ought to do is really question what you assume following Jesus should look like and take a fresh look from scripture, because that really had to happen in my life after growing up in church. I think I had all sorts of misconceptions and assumptions that actually weren't true. And when I actually read scripture, then I was like, oh, okay, this is what God says following Jesus looks like. And so, I mean, some of those is like repent and believe, right? That's the core message that Jesus came with. Repent and believe in the gospel. So that's confession of sin and like really wrestling with those sins that you need to be made clean by Jesus. But then it's also, you know, what TP talked about, it's it's really adap- adopting the the Great Commission as something that God commissions you to enter into. And then I think the one another verses in all of scripture, like loving one another and having grace towards one another, even speech patterns towards one another. And in marriage, how should you relate to one another? How should you relate with unbelievers? Like all of those things are actually in scripture. So following Jesus means knowing what he says about all of those areas. And then I think that it's not just like direct commands that Jesus gave, but I think what I learned as a young Christian is like there is a picture of life that emerges from the Bible that it, it's not like only like the red letters from Jesus, but it's the entire picture, um, the arc of history that the Bible spans. And to read scripture in that way and figure out like what is what is the granular view of like how a life should look if they follow Jesus here, here and now in our context, like all of that gets formed over time, like DP was saying. So yeah, I think that's that's how I learned what does it mean to truly follow is to understand like a- actually as I keep following Jesus, it keeps it keeps growing and maturing, like the picture keeps growing. So for me to keep listening to that and kind of having an open heart about that. Yeah, I, I really like what you said about how it's not so much like all the direct commandments. I mean, there are some of those too, but maybe what's more informative about how we are to live is, is the stories. Like that's, that's why mm-hmm. I think we're given so many stories yeah. in scripture, right? Starting from how God relates with, with Adam and Eve to Abraham, to the whole nation of Israel. And then we get like lots of descriptions of apostle Paul's life and how the early church lived out uh, their faith in the book of acts. And there's just like so many narratives like that. And like, maybe that's more instructive. Like it, it's the kind of person we're becoming. Not so much that we have to do like this checklist of A, B, and C things in order to be like a legitimate Christian or something like that. And the the other thought I had about this this question is sort of like, it, like not to challenge the question too much, but like it's sort of like be asking, okay, so what do I need to do in order to be a good husband, <laughs> right? Like, I mean, there's some things we can say about that, like some baseline things we can say about that. But if what we're talking about is a relationship mm. of love and yeah. commitment and covenant then it's a little bit hard to describe. And I think that's why maybe we're having a little bit of a hard time answering this. And so what I'd recommend for people who are wondering this is, I think this is where you need counsel from people. Like this is where you need people in your life, whether it's 
like good Christian friends or a mentor in your life who who knows you and who kind of knows your situation, knows a little bit more of the details. And if there are some specific situations that you're wondering about, then I would really recommend talking about it with somebody, right? And getting some, hey, like, okay, for me, what would the next step look like, right? Because mm-hmm. it's really hard to kind of answer that in a vacuum, I guess. Yeah. All right. Cool. Well, that's it. Thanks for everyone who submitted questions. And, and yes, we'll have a class 2025 on here very soon. <laughs> All right. All right. Thanks, everybody, for uh, joining for another episode of D-Pod. And uh, yeah, we'll get back to you guys soon about when we'll have Neil and Luke on. Bye-bye.